Welcome to the Taking a Breath Podcast with Parker Mays. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the Taking a Breath Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited today because this is one of the guests um, out of the people that I've had on that I've known for the longest. Actually, one of the people who has um, kind of influenced me back from early middle school. I know we had Mr. Uh, Bracey Fuenzalita on um, as one of the first episodes, but um, Mrs. Hamo, Mrs. Laura Hamo, is going to be joining us today. And it's exciting because she um, has had an influence on me since I was probably 11, 12 years old, um, a lot younger <laughs> than, uh, than I am now. And so I've gotten to hear her story. Um, we got to reconnect over the last couple of weeks. And so I'm excited, Mrs. Hamel, I would love for you to just share uh, with the listeners a little bit about where you're at and how you got there these days. Parker, first off, thank you for having me on Taking a Breath. This is amazing. And I am so excited. Okay, so the short bio is I was born fourth girl of four girls to a civil engineer and a nurse. As a child, you know, you just grow up and you live your life. My dad passed away when I was in sixth grade and that year was seared in my mind because of that experience. And I think God used that for me as a teacher of sixth grade because I did remember that year uh, so vividly. In high school, because my dad had passed, Ronald Reagan was president, and at the time, I didn't like him because I didn't like what he did, but what he did was in the tax cuts, he um, cut the Social Security benefit for survivors to help them go to college, and I was counting on that money to go to college to help me pay for college, and so January of senior year, on a Wednesday, one week, I'm in high school, all's good, and then by Friday that week, I was full-time enrolled in college. And uh, that transition was stark and extreme, something I didn't have any control over. And I ended up graduating from my high school because they took the PE and English credit from college. And I still got to act in my senior class play and sing and stuff, but it was tough. It was really tough. And so I lived through it, but I can totally relate to those who have had the rug pulled out from under us. We all have this year. God's sovereign, and I remember that, and I know that, and he works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So God has used all these experiences in my life. So I've, you know, I graduated college. I met and married my husband. We have raised three adult children, and um, so that brings you up to the present. I'm not going to go through all the works, jobs that I had, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I was going to say, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the years at Cary Christian, which for those of you who don't know, I was there from kindergarten all the way through senior year, private school here in Cary. And I'm curious because it's so interesting to me, and I didn't even know that, that your dad had passed away in sixth grade, and then you spent, I believe, 12 years teaching there sixth grade. And, and so that's actually such an interesting context for me now to learn how did you feel, A, that that prepared you to be able to really minister to the kids that you taught for these years? And then also, how did, how did the years teaching prepare you to now? I know lifelong learning has been a big thing for you. How did those years teaching then prepare you to be the learner? Right. That's a great question. So I did not get a teaching degree. <laughs> 
so when God called me into the classroom, um, let me back up just a smidge. I taught chorus at Cary Christian School, like the first year the school started. And my daughter was an infant and I bartered childcare for being on a praise and worship team with that person who was caring for my daughter. And I was like, God, I don't know how to teach you. He just said, just teach him how to worship me. Cause he had already taught me the beginnings of how do I worship him? And so I had that kindergarten year, if you will. <laughs> and then um, many years later, so I stayed at home and I was in the word. I mean, this is, this is the Bible that I ate <laughs> when I was at home in front of the fireplace. I mean, it has been well loved and, and I don't have it all memorized, but I was definitely in there and reading it and getting to know him and learning and learning and learning. And so then I had to start paying for the kids' education. And so it was very much a God leading thing of I needed to be bringing an in income. And so anyway, so God called me into the classroom and it was, it was definitely a, Oh God, I know, I don't know how to teach. And when I was in high school, my, that musical, I mean, I helped a couple of us awkward folks be able to fix a song so it didn't leave the, the play. And, um, and that was really nice. But a teacher asked me, are you going to be a teacher? And I was like, Oh no no way because you can really mess people up i i felt like i'd been messed up by people and i didn't want that responsibility but with that humility i made a deal with god i said okay i will be the adult facilitating in the classroom but you are the teacher and we are all students and that's how we rolled for 12 years and while i was learning the curriculum i mean i'd lived the history of it you know i was learning i love to read that that was one of the topics so anyway god gave me a classical Christian education in a sixth grade classroom. You got a classical education going through all 12 years, but, but he, he used it to help me learn and to teach me to learn because what I realize is the trauma of losing a dad stops the learning. You get to survival mode. I mean, it was like the bubble of innocence popped, you know, dad's not coming back. And what does this look like? As a teacher for 12 years and being in a school where we saw all the kids from kindergarten through 12th grade, you knew what they were learning at what age. And what I saw as a teacher was knowing a little bit about the family histories of certain scenarios that, that when a, a subject was being taught or a skill was being taught, if a kid was struggling with it, if you look back, it's like, wow, they missed it there. I, not to say that they couldn't gain it later because many of them did, not all of them did, but it was just a, an eye-opener observation for me that when a child goes through trauma, they get into survival mode and they can't keep learning. And so when you think about the world and what we're in and all the trauma that's going on, it's like we need God to be our teacher and he's our healer. He's our deliverer. He is teaching us. So that's kind of how I react. And I know, so for, for a lot of people that I talk to and, and learn from on a daily basis, right, where it's just a one-time sit-down, one hour, you know, and that's it. That's all the context you get. It's so hard to be there for someone, give them advice in the context of their situation. And I think for you being every single day, right, you got to talk to the families, you got to learn their situation, yeah. you got to hear. I think that's so powerful. And that's why teachers have such a huge influence on us because it's every, you know, day in and day out. So I love that 
you, I mean, really not even just understand, but are able to communicate the value of that because whether it's professors in college or teachers in high school or even younger, it's, I mean, there's so much power and, and so much um, responsibility on teachers to really be able to, to bring that value. I love that. It was interesting because you mentioned right at the end of that a little bit of the, the trauma side of it. A, you're seeing it in students because that's a very vulnerable time in their life. You had uh, experienced a lot of trauma over the years. And I know you've emphasized a lot the, the value of growing through things. And, and for you, of course, from the faith background and, and God having such a, a critical role in the growing through trauma. Tell us a little bit about what that looks like for you in the, you know, the different uh, settings and scenarios in your life. Well, because my natural dad died young, when he died, my mom gave my older sister and I a little book that kind of, I don't remember what it said. I just remember that it was signed from your heavenly father and from your father in heaven. And it was really a teaching for me to, my dad came to Christ a year before he died and my mom came to Christ a year before he came to Christ. I definitely saw a transition. Now, now keep in mind, we had gone to church all our years. So there is a difference between going to church and coming to Christ. I saw a difference. I saw them starting to implement changes that they were learning and that sort of thing. So my heavenly father is really the perfect father and there is many many you know you're you're on earth and you don't really understand at all and you're looking for love and i just got to the end of if you look at proverbs i was at the end of the fool's path where there's death and destruction and i won't get into the details of that just to say that when i was there i said god i just i've made a mess of my life would you please take over and be Lord and, and help me get where you want me to be. And it was almost like he took the fool's path out from underneath me and switched me onto the wise man's path. And that's why I went through Proverbs in sixth grade, because, you know, you're developmental and you're starting to think for yourself. And, and logic is that year, those years of, of how do I reason? How do I sort? How do I put things in the right boxes and, and that sort of thing. So He's definitely been my father and provided for me. I have not discerned all the time that it's his provision. And I think our world has gotten to the point of thinking that we can do it of ourselves and we can't. I had been lied to in so many different ways from so many different people, including myself. God showed me in Numbers 23, 9, God is not man that he should lie. And so because... I had that one nugget of truth to hang on to, to say that God is not going to lie to me. And that was huge. And that was just recently. That was like in the last year. In John 10, 10, that one verse says, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus is speaking. So he says, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And to me, that verse sums up all of what's gone on in the world. We have seen stealing, killing, and destroying by the enemy in every facet of life, even in the Garden of Eden, all the way through, and we will see it until the end of, until Christ's return. But the resurrection, the, the cross experience was when Christ came and took back what was stolen in the Garden of Eden. And, and the whole Old Testament are all the stories that show you that God loves you, he's disciplining you, and we keep messing up, keep messing up, keep messing up. I see it as um, 
the mess we make is the before the but God phrase in the scriptures. Everywhere you see a but God, you see the mess that people had made. And then there's the but God that he came in and fixed it. And Jesus is the fixing of what all of it and, and the fixing of even now. I mean, he, he is the son of God and the son of man. And the, the, I, I read the Bible chronologically in the last couple of years. And when it says he's the son of God, he is representing his father, who he is the perfect exact representation of the father. So if you want to know what God Almighty is like, look at what Jesus is like in the gospels. And that's his, he's representing him. And then the son of man is when he represents us because it's talking about his physical body. He came from heaven and he indwelt in this body. And that body is the sacrifice. He was the only one who could do all those things that none of us could do. So he is the substitute, if you will. He stepped in our place and gave us his righteousness and he took all of our sin from all of time. And that was the great transfer on the cross, if you will. And so before he ascended, he gives us the great commission. And so it's like we have, he got all authority back on the cross and he has given it to the Christ followers. And we are to be growing up and manifesting what Jesus did. We're supposed to be looking like Jesus here on earth. And many of us have not. We've been bound up by things. And Jesus is the savior, he's the healer, he's the deliverer. He's always saving, he's always healing, and he's always delivering. And he's, he, you know, there's the justification on the cross, but the sanctification is the rest of our lives working with him and letting him clean us out. Yeah. <laughs> put him in. <laughs> and, I, and I think it's so, the, that idea that you shared of but God, right, where it's a mess and then but God came, like, I think that is such a, a great turning point. And I love that you mentioned that because for all of us, right, our, our whole life, you know, for most of us, it's like this mess. And then there's that moment, right? It's the, but God, the shift. Um, and then everything from there is yes, like we're, we are able to just try, you know, we're constantly trying to imitate this, you know, son of God, son of man, like, we're seeing the example that we, we read about in the Bible of Jesus of, you know, how he lived and, and how he calls us to live. And we're able to then, you know, do our best to then be able to carry out the, the rest of it. Right. But at the end of the day, it's, it's not us, right? Like we know that we're, you know, we're nothing without God. So I think that's such a powerful phrase and I'm glad that you mentioned it. The thing about it is, is, um, you know, even after you have that justification where you put your faith in Christ and him alone, there's still that working. And the thing that we've really got to grasp is it's not us. It's not us, us doing for God. It's, it's us yielding ourselves and allowing him to work through us. Mm. This has been a tough one for me to get through. And he's been, you know, COVID has had some value in the sense of, God arrested the whole world. Now, he didn't cause this. He allowed it. Look at Job. I mean, there's many things that Job went through that he experienced. And at the end, it was really Job's pride that God was getting rid of. But this whole experience of stopping the world and are you going to wake up? Are you going to listen to him? <laughs> you know? and, and he, you know, he brings it back to his order. So anyway, he's been cleaning out the 
sins of the mind, if you will, the self-righteousness, the judgmentalism, the legalistic stuff that you, you know, all of that, he's been just purging me, getting it out of me. So anyway, it's, it's really not us doing for him. And that's, that's a red flag. It's allowing him, he bought me with a price. I am dead. He lives in me. He's got all these, whatever talents and gifts I've got are his. That's his inheritance, okay? So he gets to teach through me. He gets to sing through me. He gets to worship through me. He gets to uh, encourage through me because those are the giftings that he's given me. I'm curious. So I know that as you, uh, after you left the classroom a few years back now, that you had started to get involved with a business startup that was, I believe you mentioned when we talked based in California, but I wanted to hear a little bit more about that. And not only just because, you know, because it's this startup, right? And I'm definitely interested in that concept, but really how did that startup really align with your vision, your mission, these things that you're talking about? When I left the classroom, you know, 12 years, it was 2016. I hadn't looked for work. I mean, I, God gave me that teaching job, so I wasn't even really looking for it. And so I, I took a year off. We moved. We, I, I, I had to rest. I mean, you know what senior year is like. Well, I had one too. <laughs> so it was like humanly impossible. You got to discern what, it, what, what can I do? What can I not do? What can I let fall? All that kind of stuff. So anyway, I, took a year off and then I started to look for work and Parker, I could not understand the job descriptions, the terminology had changed, the technology had changed. I mean, it was just unbelievably foreign. <laughs> it's like, what planet have I been on? I've been in the cave of sixth grade. You know? <laughs> anyway, so, so I took an online course that was to teach me uh, through AWAI about persuasive writing. And I started Influence Writing, which is, is my platform, if you will. And I'm just trying to like, how do I do this? How do I learn this technology? And so God, in his wonderful kindness, has put people in my life that, you know, friends that have, um, you know, we've like the weave in the tapestry of life. He, he connects us and he knows exactly who needs what, where, when, and how. And, and so it's been this, this integration of, of, you know, Given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together. So you you share what you have, and others share what they have. So when uh, Compuverse is the startup, so it's Compuverse Technology Corporation and Compuverse Christian Charities. I applied in June of 2019. Didn't hear anything until like Thanksgiving of that year, and interviewed in December of uh, December 10th of 2019. And it was like, I found people that spoke my language. <laughs> it was amazing. And so their vision is the Great Commission and their unreached people group is the business world, which is one of the most unreached populations in the world. So it's that using IT for, for the companies and then the CompuVerse Christian Charities is gonna be 24 seven prayer access and biblical counseling and, and all that kind of stuff. So, so it's, it is an infant. It's, it's, you know, so we're, we need people to populate it, to help build it, to, you know, share their talents and gifts and stuff like that. And I've been, I've been interceding for missionaries out in, you know, in really, they are sharpening the tip of the arrow that goes into the unengaged, unreached people group. So God's 
um, develop my intercessory skills through praying for them and the learning skills he gave me from Carrie Christian. So that teaches you how to learn. So now that I know I know how to learn because I had to break all the records of what was spoken over me, which were not good. All of his creation testifies to them. Just look at the geese. One, one organism, okay? You got the Canadian geese that squawk behind that bee, right? The one in the front needs to know that there's other people behind them or other birds behind them, okay? So they're all squawking. We're still here. We're still here. Keep going. They take turns who's in front because it can get exhausting, right? And then on the ground when they're eating, you got the one bird with his head up looking out to make sure everybody else is okay while they're eating. My, that one bird with their head up looking, it's like, okay. <laughs> so, so anyway, that's kind of what it is where as an intercessor, you are, you are seated I mean, all believers have to get this understanding, but we are seated in the heavenly realm far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. We are on the throne in Christ. You know, he's got the armor that he's given us, and that's what my book's about. But from that perspective, we can look like an eagle down and see the strife and see the conflict and pray. But in the intercession, praying is like asking from the earth up. But intercession is enforcing what God's done already at Calvary and enforcing that inheritance and getting back what um, the enemy has stolen. And any snake that has a foot on its head is going to be flailing. And that's what we've been seeing is the flailing of the enemy. So I'm curious, you mentioned um, one thing that I wanted to touch on, the influence writing, which I didn't mention at the beginning, but I wanted to hear a little bit more about. And then the other thing is you mentioned the book. And I know those have gone hand in hand just with your writing as you've really been hearing and then sharing, which is exactly what I'm doing, right? Hearing, sharing, right? Just from other people and, and just trying to learn different perspectives. But you have the perfect perspective, right? The, um, the, the perspective from God, right? Who sees all. So I'm curious from you, um, one, tell us a little bit about about how um, influence writing as a platform started and then tell us a little bit about your book. Okay, when I retired from teaching and was in that year of rest, the Lord's instruction to me was to read through your journals and I had journals from my life and I had journals from teaching, was to read through your journals and find the nuggets. And nuggets would be, you know, just a little piece of gold, a truth, a, a revelation from God. And so I did that and I was practicing my typing speed and I put it up and I've got it on all sorts of different technology things, if you will. Um, I read through the Bible chronologically in that time. I've never done that, never read the Bible in its entirety. And I've already shared some of the things that stuck out, but the big thing that stuck out that I never grasped is that the function of the church, now the church being those who have been putting their faith in Christ and believing and are born again, okay, Christ followers. The function of the church is to display the manifold wisdom of God to the spirit realm. And I was like, I thought church was just going on Sunday. It's like, no. When I was a teacher, uh, I taught my kids and I had, when I was a young mom, I had gotten a little cassette tape, yes, that's how old I am, um, that had a different Bible verse put to song for every letter of the alphabet. And those suckers were good. They, they stuck in my head. They were really great. And then, um, so we would be putting on the armor of God by rote in what we said as we were driving backwards down the driveway. And I was going to work, but the kids were going to school. 
and enough got chaotic in the morning before I even got in the car that I was realizing, wait a minute, I need to put this armor on before I get out of bed. <laughs> so yeah. it's just, it's just like physical clothing. You wouldn't go outside naked. I hope not anyway, but we need to be wearing the armor of God. It's God's armor. He gave it to us. It is a representative of Christ. And Paul was using a Roman soldier because that's where he was. And that's who his, his audience understood. So I have just, um, basically explained how I have experienced wearing the armor of God when I haven't had it on and what kind of chaos goes on and when I have put it on and and it's just a, a quick nugget teaching of this is how you get dressed it's like the kingdom of God is a kingdom that is coming you know in the in the Lord's Prayer you know thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven so it's a kingdom that's already in heaven but it's coming down and the pressure on the atmosphere of his kingdom coming down is squelching and 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 you know we're seeing the pressure of the is it the bride's heel or the woman's heel under the you know on the head of the snake or the serpent and so we're just seeing the manifestation of the enemy just trying to do whatever kind of stealing, killing, and destroying he can do before the end of time and before Christ comes back. See, Father's making a spotless bride for his son. So not only are we the church, but we're the bride of Christ, and we're also the army of God. So it's multifaceted again. <laughs> and so Christ, the only one who knows when Christ is coming back is the Father. But there are warning signs in Scripture, and Revelation talks about that we can know the season, and, and there's, there's testimony in nature when you look at what's going on in the world, the fires, the earthquakes, the, the tsunamis, the, the exposure of corruption and greed and all that kind of stuff. And, and Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. So those kings and lords are people who are heads of, of nations. But also in scripture, the husband is the prophet, priest, and king of the home. And so they need to be king of their domain. It's like, it's like little, you know, little bigger, bigger. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> And, okay. and so I know we're running a little bit long, but that's okay because I know that you have a story that you want to share with listeners. And so I, I think that a, one of the, in, it's at, it's just influencewriting.com, I believe, right, right. is that site. Mm -hmm. So at some point, if you guys are listening to this and want to check out some of the things that Mrs. Hamo is sharing there, make sure to check that out. I'll put the links in our social medias and things like that so you guys can check them out there too. But I have, have gotten a chance to read through some of them as I've been prepping for this. And it's just like, like she said, like little nuggets of wisdom from over the years, right? And I think that for, um, for listeners, something that you guys can really take away is like Mrs. Hamo we talked about this like had documentation and journals and writing from all of these years of teaching and I think there's so much value in being able to look back at the growth over the years at the maturity especially for us you know my my audience is kind of more in that like 18 to 24 year old range there's so much maturity that's happening and growth right now that if you can go back in five years and look at all of these different things that you've been learning and how you've grown. And I think there's so much value in that. I really do. But so I would love to hear the story. I got to hear a little bit of the summary of it and read about it, but I want to hear it from you and I want the listeners to be able to hear it as well. So I'll give you the floor. Okay. Thanks. Lauren, help me do this quickly. I asked in the fall, 
one of the things I learned about being a creative is that we have poor working memory and no executive function, very little executive function. And, and I was struggling, why can't I set goals and meet them? It was just my reality. And, and because he's my father, he was answering. And so I've been able to develop the ability to listen to the Holy Spirit, which is not up here. It is down in your gut, somewhere in, out, you know, out of your inner man will flow rivers of living water. This is the fishing area for the enemy. I had heard God, but I didn't believe what he said. I mean, I, I wanted to believe, but it was so amazing that I was like, wow. So I walked on faith, like I'll use all the scripture references. So I walked on faith like Peter. I got out of the boat and I was looking at Christ and I walked on the water. And then, and then I went back and I read something and saw the exactness of God. Because in my question, I left out a specific word. And when I asked the question without that specific word, the answer he gave me would have been a valid answer. But when I needed to ask this question with the specific word, then a different answer came. Yeah, you get wet. And, and so when I, in faith, responded with the answer from the first question, the enemy came in like, like arrows and doubt and unbelief. And I had to stand firm in the Lord. I had to praise the Lord's name. I had to use my mouth and declare the promises of God. I had to not fear. I had to believe and I had to value what I had learned. So then the response came back, not with a condemnation or anything, just a clarifying question. And, and by this time I needed to tend to somebody else. And so I, I, I responded, that's what I heard, but I got to tend to somebody else. And I know you need hundred percent of my time. So I'm going to table you for now. And I'm going to give this other person hundred percent of my time. And so in that interaction with the other person, I was given a task that I couldn't start right away. They wanted me to hold all these directions. And with a poor working memory, it's like really hard to hold all, you know, seven directions. It's like, okay, God, help me just be able to keep them all in my head so I can do it. And so I did it. And blah, blah, blah. Anyway, and then we saw that other thing. And, and it's like, there's more than one way to solve a problem, but this person had expected it always done their way. I mean, they, they have a great working mind and, and their body's not really keeping up with that mind. And so, um, you know, we, we solved the problem. It was great. And then a little later I was doing something and I, and was asked my opinion and I gave an answer and the answer wasn't accepted and I had to defend my answer. And then they're like, well, what's the difference? <laughs> and that's when the Holy Spirit just riled up inside me. <laughs> there is a difference. I am a person. I am allowed to have an opinion. I don't have to justify my opinion. I, I know why I have this answer and, and the other, and so, you know, through tears, I am advocating for myself and explaining that I'm learning about myself, that I don't have a good working memory. And I would really appreciate to be able to take the first step with that direction and not have to hold all seven directions. <laughs> and that there are many ways to solve a problem. Just tell me what the problem is. And if I need help, I'll ask you, you know, that kind of thing. And then, so that person heard me and that was amazing to feel heard. And then the other thing is that person identified that what I did took courage. And I didn't know what courage was. <laughs> I've been afraid so many years. So anyway, reconciliatory hug occurred. And as I'm hugging this person, I hear the Holy Spirit say, now you know how I feel. And it was just like, wow. So God has spoken and he is a person and he has an opinion and he is believable. I can testify. He is believable. 
if you've ever been misrepresented or squelched or, you know, had somebody have their control over you, you know how hard it is. And, and I'm in a season where I supernaturally felt a cord being unraveled around my throat. And I was like, wow, it's like, you know, how long have I been muzzled or, or squelched? And, and so COVID with all these masks, oh my goodness, it just showed that I had had a, an invisible mask on me for all this time and that I'd been reading lips and I needed a hearing aid. <laughs> I, you know, it just, I hadn't advocated for myself. I didn't know how to advocate for myself. So God is just really, really being my father and, and providing where the enemy and, and see this is the other thing, Parker, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The people are not the problem. The enemy is, and he can manifest through people. He can oppress us in areas. And so that's in the book, you know, so yeah. discerning the difference and loving the person and holding accountable the person and justice. And God is a God of mercy. And he's a God of justice as well. You know, we've here on the world gotten way out of balance. And, and his word is, he's the one who created us. He, he wrote it. And that's yeah. our guide. You know, the Bible's our manual for how do you live on life? How do you live life on earth? And how do you raise a family? All that kind of stuff. All the questions are answered in the scripture. I love it. No, and, and that's such a good story. I, I felt even just listening to that so much peace. I think people listening to this conversation are going to have that, that sense of peace as well. For listeners, I think there's something so incredible. You guys know, I do, I try to do a good job of balancing, right? Like having a very specifically, you know, Christian topic, Christian base. We talk about many different things, but on a conversation like this, where we've talked about God, where we have gone in depth, much more than some of my other conversations. If you have questions or for Mrs. Hamo, for me, about mm -hmm. our faith, about God, don't let it end just by you hearing this and saying, oh, well, that was actually pretty interesting. You know, like, I'm glad that worked for them because we are, the reason we're sharing our stories and, and having this conversation today is so that not only we can learn from each other, but also so that you hopefully can find that sense of peace for yourself as well. So that's just my encouragement today as we're kind of closing that if you've heard something that sparked your interest today and you don't understand fully, that's okay. And we don't expect mm -hmm. this to be right. Mrs. Hamo, we're talking about, it's been, you know, 20, 50, you know, it's been years, right. Of, uh, of learning. Right. And that's the same for me. You know, I, every day learn something new. That's why I'm having these conversations, mm -hmm. but so we will 100% get some way, you know, if, if you send us a message, we'll get you in contact with Mrs. Hamo. Oh, I'm happy to have the conversation, right? We want that growth for you as well. Yes. And one of the things I've learned by doing influence writing is it's, it's really hard for me to get the words out through my fingertips. I mean, I can do it, but it is so slow. Yeah. So, you know, the podcast is, I hope in my future too, because it is just the words. And so I thank you, Parker, so much. I'm so excited that you're doing this. I have, I have followed my kids, you know, my students and pray for you guys. And, and just, I feel very much like one of you, you know, even though I've got the gray hair, it, I was a student there too. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like the whole future's in front of us and God, God is so good. He is 
so good. He, he knows how we understand and he can communicate to us. And we all need each other. We need to, to share what we've learned. Yeah, community, connection, I, I love all of it. I definitely hope a podcast is in your future because I would 100% be tuning in. I love a lot of the ideas and I know writing, you it's so limited versus just being able to share thoughts. So I do hope that that is in the future, but I really appreciate you coming on today, at least for now, so that some people can hear it. For listeners, if you haven't yet, at Taking a Breath on Instagram, follow us there. We're going to be posting clips and quotes and all these different things so that you can check those out. And then we will see you again next week for another great conversation. Thanks for listening to the Taking a Breath podcast with Parker Mays. 